Welcome to the Cardiology Podcast, where we monitor the heartbeat of Browns fans. I'm your host, Mark Judy, and today's episode, we are going to go back and look at another one that got away from the Browns after a 28-30 to 30 loss to the Chargers at home. But we're going to go through, we're going to talk about what we saw in the game, what's driving us nuts, and what we think the Browns can do to right this ship. And then we're going to turn the page and get ready for yet another tough game as we have the New England Patriots coming into town. And we're going to go through and process that. But I do want to uh, welcome my co-host this week. Sean Donovan is here. Um, he is minor happy that we have broken the trend of him uh, causing losses. Right. Um, uh, I guess that's a small victory. all right well so let's get into this another real heartbreaking loss to the chargers once again a game where the browns showed a lot of promise in certain areas but in the end couldn't close it down couldn't get it done the browns led 14-0 before they gave up 17 unanswered points to let the chargers right back in it And then at that point, when it was 17-14, the game was pretty much back and forth. Uh, Both teams traded punches, and the Browns ended up with a one-point lead heading into the fourth quarter at 27-28. Now, they gave up what would be the deciding field goal um, with 9-29 remaining, but they still had a chance. And the biggest chance that they had was in the immediate series – right after that field goal, drove down, um, were knocking on the door for a touchdown. Um, and then we got caught up by a Jacoby Brissett interception in the end zone, which really took the life out of a lot of fans who are watching the game. Oh yeah. Um, but we weren't done. Um, like all good Cleveland games, um, we still had one more Um, kick we could take to the gut before the end of this game and so um, we got the ball back on the Chargers 46 yard line with a minute and 34 left after an absolutely crazy call by the Chargers coaching staff to go for it on fourth and two in their own territory when a punt would have sealed the game pretty much Um, yeah so uh, yeah if you hate analytics and you hate coaches who do analytics, uh, you should be thanking your lucky stars. We don't have Brandon Staley as our coach. Right. That would have made me lose my mind. But we get the ball back. We have the chance to kind of drive down, but we really don't. We stall. We only get 10 yards um, out of those plays. We end up bringing in Cade York to kick a potential game-winning field goal. And he gives us his second missed field goal of the day. And we end up taking the loss. Um, this was a real brutal one. You know, I, I don't know about you. I'm going to let you say it. But I really think there's one major takeaway from this game <laughs> that we have to discuss first. You know, I, we've been talking about this off and on all week or since Sunday, I should say, and we were texting during the game and everything. And, you know, you're saying you know, the Browns are playing like, or they should be 5-0, and oh, but they're 2-3, and three, and that's we have to accept that they're a 2-3 team. But this is a tale of two teams. The offense is playing like they're 5-0. and oh. The defense is playing like they're 1-4. and four. 
You know, they have only had one good game, and that was Thursday night against the Steelers. And so I, I'm going to say it. Joe Woods has to go. He, he's got to go. I don't and, – and you're going to say, well, who do you replace him with? And I'm just going to throw out the defensive line coach, Chris Kiffin, you know, just because I'm picking a random name out of a hat. I don't know who's going to fix this defense. But you're right in what you were saying when we were talking earlier. It has to be somebody on staff already. I think we had – so, yeah, we, we you know, we traded texts about it during the game. And, and you know, you know, I've been thinking about it since then. I, I think that I would be surprised if we don't win this Sunday – if Joe Woods is still the coordinator, um, because I just think at this point, everybody can see what's happening. This defense, for whatever reason, is not able to put together a complete game. You know, we came to the Chargers. We said the key to stopping the Chargers, which was you couldn't let Herbert beat you. Right. None of us considered that we would give up over 200 yards rushing. Um, Chargers, the Chargers team came in. that was 32nd in the NFL. Right, exactly. They were last in the league in rushing. So, so I think, you know, I gave it a little bit of thought. Um, I don't know that Chris Kiffin is the name. And there's really, honestly, there's not a lot of good names on our defensive staff that I would be super comfortable with. But when we're talking about the requirements of, hey, you need to call defensive plays. You're going to use the same scheme because you're in mm-hmm. midseason. You can't change. Exactly. You're not going to change it. Um, but what you can do is simplify what you're doing and try to get out of your own way. I think the only probably realistic name is Jason Tarver, who is our linebacker coach. Okay. Um, he, yeah. is, he is a 19-year NFL coach, and he actually served three years as the then Oakland Raiders defensive coordinator. Now Under those Jack? were not good years. Under Jack uh, he, actually, he was on he was on Dennis Allen's staff. Oh, okay. Um, right after Hugh Jackson left okay. Oakland. That guy. Um, and in yeah, and in three years, he was part of a coaching staff that only went eight and thirty-seven. So right. not a glorious time no. to be a Raider fan. But I will say the last year he was there was the rookie season for Khalil Mack. So right. there was a little bit of uh, th- there wasn't a lot of of um, talent in their cupboard. But I, again, we're not asking him to come in and create a new defense. Uh, no. We're asking for someone who would potentially have the experience of actually standing on the sideline and calling the defense. Right. And so I think realistically, if if a move is made, I would believe that that would be it, just because that's somebody who know who's had the headset on who's, right. and, okay. and, and could do that. But I don't love the idea uh, only because I, I, you know, I don't want any more turmoil. I, I don't understand why we're starting off quite with the drama we're having, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think Jimmy Haslam, I don't think he's going to stand for another game like this. No. There were a lot of viral clips of him watching Cade York miss that right. last field goal. Right. And it, I mean, he looked like the rest of us. Yeah, um, he was a little it, more reserved. It, it than some of us, but you could you could sense it off of his body. And I just think you can you can turn to your owner and say, "Hey, we just gotta we gotta right the ship. Here's the things that are going wrong. We can do this. We can do this." He's not going to take that answer for very much longer. Um, right. You know, we've got a team that, like we said, this team should be five and zero, oh, um, and they should be the story of the NFL. 
mm-hmm. being five and zero with a backup quarterback making their way through, waiting for their starter to come back. Right. But instead, we're talking about collapses and mm-hmm. and just big issues. Now, this was this was a tough game to watch in general. So you'd like to you look at it and you say, "Hey, they did a pretty good job of keeping Justin Herbert out of the end zone. He only had one touchdown. His stat line was extremely similar to Jacoby Brissett's." Yeah. But they also gave up 135 yards to the Chargers number one receiver. Mm-hmm. Um and um, that yeah. and that's not even their true number one. Mm-hmm. That's their number two. So Mike Williams pulls down 135 yards. We didn't even have to see Keenan Allen. Right. While I can say that the secondary didn't necessarily break, man, we weren't we weren't locking anybody up either. No. Uh-uh. But I think you know, aside from what might be happening with Joe Woods and whether or not he's able to motivate this team and what's going on, regardless of whether you dislike Joe Woods or you support him. I do think we have to turn and look at the defensive line too. This is a group that I think we all looked at coming out of whether it was training camp or whatever that had a lot of question marks. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I do believe we all had some optimism. We thought some of these young guys were going to step up some of the second year guys, third year guys. And a lot of us were excited about picks like Perion Winfrey Mm -hmm. coming in and, and thought they might add something. Um, what we're seeing is that they don't have it. Mm -hmm. They are not strong at the point of attack and they're getting blown off the ball. I saw one viral clip this week that actually showed a handoff from Herbert to Eckler. And as Eckler's approaching the line of scrimmage, he's got a pocket Mm -hmm. like, like, like as a a pass pocket and he's got all kinds of lanes to choose from. And it's just completely the defensive line completely blown off the ball. Yeah. Um, now it was probably play action, which which would explain where Garrett was and where Clowney might have been. But that entire interior defensive line just blown off the ball. Yeah. And I think you know that has to be something that we need to be looking at the front office about. We need to be discussing. Hey, you know, I understand that you can't solve every problem in a draft. You can't meet every hole, but you know, this is where you go back to the the head scratcher of drafting Martin Emerson with your first pick. Right. I think all of us expected best defensive linemen right. to come off the board. And there were some solid defensive linemen available there, and we waited. You know, I don't think Perion Winfrey was a horrible pick, but I do think that there were other guys out there. And so we chose to pick a player at a position of relative strength over a position that was a glaring need. And I think Andrew Barry has to look himself in the mirror at the idea of, yes, is Martin Emerson a player? I think he is. He, he was instrumental in us even having a chance going down the stretch. Right. But did we need another cornerback when we didn't have any defensive line? Right. Beyond that, we saw the Browns address the other part of the defense that's been giving us grief, which is the linebacking core. Yeah. Um, Andrew Berry went to work after the game. He did. He did. And it'll, and it remains to be seen what we get out of Deion Jones. You know, obviously he's been on IR, although a lot of the um, discussion is that he's been kind of just hanging out on IR. 
until the the Atlanta figured out exactly who they could trade with um, because he's kind of lost his spot. They've drafted replacements. They have that going on. So we don't know exactly what we have, um, but we got to find something to try to replace what we had in Anthony Walker. And I think that that is one of the big things that's missing. Not only was Anthony Walker giving us some really strong linebacking play on the field, he was the quarterback of that defense. He was also a major part of that locker room and a major part of the veteran leadership in that room. And I think that we need somebody to bring something. We're asking JOK to do too much. Mm -hmm. Um, JOK is an undersized linebacker. We all knew it. We've always known it. He gets by on his athleticism and he has a role that he can fit in the Browns defense. That's perfect for him. Right. It gives him the ability to do what he needs to do right now. He can't play that role because there's nobody. And we've got a couple of other um, scrub linebackers. I'll call it who um, have been hanging around this team for a long time who are just not showing it no. and not giving us what we need. And I think that is really the story of this is, is we, we have two position groups that are way outmanned. And then we have a third position group in the defensive backs who are being incredibly inconsistent. Right. Um, so if you are a person who believes that uh, it's not necessarily Joe Wood's fault, then you need to be looking at the personnel and you need to be asking yourself, why aren't we going after someone like Endama Kinsu? Right. You can only speak to me about the salary cap so long, right? I get it in the general sense. You don't want to sign a big ticket defensive lineman because you need the money for next year. Well, guess what? This year's getting away right Mm -hmm. now. Um, And so I don't. You're in a win now mentality. Right. I feel like you have to say to yourself, um, okay, how important is a season to this extra money that I'm going to have to spend? at this point, in any of those defensive linemen, um, a Sheldon Richardson uh, a, and Dominican Sue, you're talking about a one-year contract. You're talking oh, about finishing out the year. Um, and, and if they're expecting anything more than that, then they're silly. Um, so the only thing I can think of is if for some reason, I mean, Sue hasn't signed anywhere. Right. So the question becomes, is his asking price just way too high? I, I just think that those guys, there's, there's always got to be some backstory about how they might not want to sign for some reason. But at this point, we're, we're getting down into close to the trade deadlines, other things happening. They got to get somebody. They just got to. Yeah. I mean, well, they, they signed Tyler Davidson, you know, or Davison, I'm sorry. He's a nose tackle from Atlanta. Uh, they signed him to the practice squad and supposedly he's going to be elevated to the 53 man roster soon. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be in time for this week's game, but they're trying to put some more pieces in for Joe Woods to work with, as I put in, in air quotes. And I've been wondering this ever since this past Sunday, and we've talked about it again and seeing everything on social media you know, his assistants could be coaching up a storm and the players can do what they, but if he's calling the wrong schemes or if he's calling the wrong, you know, the wrong defense, they're handcuffed. They, they can only do what he tells them to do. So, well, and, 
And, and, you know, and the devil's advocate part of that is he can call all the right schemes in the world, but if he doesn't have the personnel and they're not, and they're not able to do what they're supposed to do, that it's going to fall apart. So what I will say is Stefanski came out at the end of the game and he, I know people don't necessarily love how Stefanski does press conferences. I actually prefer it. I don't really need to see a guy throw a chair and I don't really need to throw his people under the bus. I assume that he's doing that stuff in private, but he was probably his most guarded in not stepping and speaking about very specific issues. But one of the things that he said that I thought was very telling is he said, I've seen this defense succeed. I've seen them do it. I've seen them do it with almost all the same players. So something isn't right and we have to figure out what it is. Right. And he's, and he's got a point. He's got a point that these are the same players who last year rebounded, mm-hmm. made us all talking about how we could, how well we could do. Right. I would go back to the main difference is that the defensive line is not the same guys, but it is a statement about, Hey, this should be working and yeah. it's not. And so there, I think absolutely every aspect every coach every player on that defense should be having a major heart-to-heart about what they're bringing on a Sunday right because right now there's not a standout on the defense there's nobody who you can point to and say this person is working their butt off but it you know every time one of these coaches or one of these players steps up in front of a microphone they're always preaching next man up well your next men up fell down <laughs> you got to figure something else out well yeah at, at best case your next men up aren't talented enough you're not deep enough so that goes back to the front office mm-hmm. um what are they doing what are they scouting what are they looking at you know, so I really, you know, I'm, I was happy to see that Andrew Barry was working on a Sunday night mm-hmm. and signed a linebacker. I hope that he's with us quickly and gets mm-hmm. out there and helps. But much like you said, we don't know when he's going to be active and when he's going to be on the field and signing the nose tackle. Okay. I hope, mm-hmm. I hope he can do, take up some space and help out. But I, I do think, I think everybody's on a short leash and I would be very surprised if the Browns uh, don't pull off an actual win this week. I would be pretty surprised if we uh, aren't talking about a Joe Woods firing next right. week. So beyond the defense, which I know <laughs> we could keep talking and talking and talking about, um, I think some of the other things that have to keep in mind is, should we be concerned about our rookie kicker? You know, if we are looking <sighs> at, if we're looking at the scoreboard and we're c- counting every score, like we did the de- the, the loss before mm-hmm. he left six points out there on the field. No. So should we be concerned about him? I don't think necessarily we should be concerned. You know, rookies obviously take time to adjust and you keep putting this kid in hard scenarios. You know, it would take a lot for Phil Dawson or, you know, Adam Vinatieri or uh, Justin Tucker, you know, he's, kind of automatic but it's still tough to put your kicker in a 58 yard field goal attempt to win the game that's a lot of pressure especially on a 22 year old kid or however old he is that is a lot 
to think about. And then you're kicking in Cleveland, which is a d- totally different animal than kicking down in Louisiana. So it's just, I think we got to cut him a little slack. So what, what I would say is I'm concerned about the first miss and I'm, a, I'm concerned about the missed um, PATs that have happened over the last yeah. few weeks, because those are more average kicks. Yeah. Uh, average distance is what you would expect. I agree. You know, you're asking this, this kid to hit game winners from long distance. And yes, we all clamored at the beginning of the season. about Why aren't you letting him kick these long balls? He's got this big leg, but it is Cleveland. And you brought up Phil Dawson. Phil Dawson did not have a great first year kicking. It takes time to figure it out and figure out how those wins come off the lake. So that being said, I think this is a little bit of a mental thing. I think that what we should be doing with the rookie is we should be getting him to focus on the fundamentals mm-hmm. um, to get by these regular kicks. Right. Stop worrying about the 58 yarders, kicking 60 yarders during pre-game, um, yeah. pre-game, all that stuff. Stop that stuff. And let's just focus on just the straightforward stuff that needs to be done each time. And yeah, you dropped a fourth round pick on him. So let's be honest. He's not going anywhere. No, huh? um, this is not this is not a situation where you're going to turn around and take take a fourth round pick kicker and put him on the bench. The you know you other people might say, well, we put fourth rounders on the bench all the time. Well, you don't draft kickers in the fourth round, right? And and yes, the expectations are higher for someone when you take them that high. And he's suffering from a little bit of that right now. But I do think this is a situation where you need to buckle up. And be comfortable with the fact that Cade York is going to be your kicker from now through the rest of the season, no matter what, because I don't think any other conversations are even going to happen until the off season or beyond. And anyone who really thought he was going to be perfect was probably fooling themselves. But I do think that we got to tighten the screws a little bit more on the basics um, Mm -hmm. to help him through this process. Stop worrying about 50 plus yarders. Stop worrying about 60 plus yarders and just move forward. Um. All right. Well, let's turn the tables here a little bit. We talked a lot about some of the different negatives and some of the sourness. Um, Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of positives to talk about, but I do want to highlight that we have an offense, as you you mentioned, that really is firing on all cylinders. I know a lot of people, I call it the WTF Mondays Mm -hmm. after a Browns loss, want to dissect every single play call and all of the things that they think um, didn't go right. But you have an offense that is currently number four in yards in the NFL, number one in rushing yards, right. number two in rushing attempts, which I think is interesting considering how much everybody yells about how we're not running the ball enough. Mm-hmm. And then number six in points at 28.6 a game. Right. And this is an offense too that legitimately was in position to score 13 more points yesterday. The two field goals and then the Brissett brain cramp that should have been a touchdown. Right. Um, so I heard a lot of people, people continue to beat the drum that they want Kevin Stefanski to give up the play calling because they don't like how Nick Chubb sits at different times and they don't like that we pass on certain downs. and They don't like that we go for it on certain downs. I'm going to tell you that I look at it as you may walk away with three plays a game that you aren't sure exactly you would have called the same thing, but there's another 35 plays that are happening during that game 
And the stats show that those 35 get plays are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Right. And I mean, you said it at the beginning of the season, you know, Kevin Stefanski is evolving and he's taking what he has and he's figuring out how to make it work for himself. And it's not exactly a smooth evolution, right? No, absolutely not. I think we can agree that there have been ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we've had games where why the heck aren't you running the ball more? Mm-hmm. But then we have a game like I actually thought the Chargers game, I didn't have a problem with any of the play calls. No. Um, you know, a lot of people go back to the fourth and one play where we hand off the ball to Kareem Hunt. And we all want to complain, you know, well, why didn't we do a QB sneak? Why don't we have Hunt closer to the line so he doesn't have to run as much? My answer to that is blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, we know. Kareem Hunt is capable of getting a yard. That play just got blown up. Right. It got blown up. And there is no guarantee that that same play doesn't get blown up on Nick Chubb. Right. I understand that people want to tie back to that Brissett is, has been very effective with the QB sneak, but I also don't, I I think that's just a philosophy thing. I, I, you know, you don't know how Brissett's feeling. You don't know if you want to get him banged up at the end of the exactly. quarter. You don't he know is your happening. backup quarterback, and you get him hurt, and then where are you at then? Right. And and so I just think, you know, the same people who are clamoring for that Kevin Stefanski needs to give up play calling need to come to grips with the fact that are you willing to give up all these stats? Are you willing to mm-hmm. give up how this offense is going? Because there is no guarantee that mm-hmm. Alex Van Pelt knows how to call plays. Right. We've never seen it. Right. And so the idea that he would pick up right where we left off is uh, that's the stretch. Um, yeah. So of all the things that are going around with this team, Kevin Stefanski calling plays to me is not even on no. the radar. Nowhere. Um, um, so in general, if you're, if we're looking at this game, I, I mean, we do this every time you and I talk Um yeah. And yes, this is a loss, and yes, it's a bummer, but what, who would you say are kind of the standouts? Well, first of all, I just want to say congrats to David Njoku. He got to 2,000 yards receiving this past game. He's the fourth tight end in Browns history to do that. So it's big ups to the Chief, man. But, you know, out of everything in that game this past Sunday, the shining light every week is my hero, Nick Chubb. Um, you know, and it's just, he's the first player in NFL history to rush for 593 yards, seven touchdowns with less than a hundred carries in his first five games, less than a hundred carries. He's leading the league in rushing with 593. Uh, and this, this is what kills me more than anything else. And I'm getting this off of a, a beat writer, uh, in new England, 415, of his 593 yards are after contact. Yes. He's so, so that's 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 the piece of Nick Chubb that is so enamors Cleveland right. fans more than anything else, right? So the yards are fantastic. Um obviously oh, getting yeah. the yards, getting the touchdowns, but the way he gets them just speaks to the city, I mean, right? <laughs> I mean, he hit he hits people as hard as they hit him. He right. Stiff arms them. He makes them look silly. Um, and he just gives everything he's got on every run. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I would agree. I don't think there's really a person that another person that you can give a game ball to. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would also put out for myself that I would also say that um, Amari Cooper continues to build and look oh, yeah. like the piece that we hoped he was. He got his third touchdown um, this week on, on some very good route running. Yeah. Um, so, so I think those guys probably stick out to me. Um, I think it's just about time for us to move. We've, we spent a lot of time yeah. on this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so before we get in and we start talking about next week's game and what we're going to need to do to pull together this win over new England, we are going to take a quick break and we are going to hear a little bit from our sponsor. Hey everybody, it's Mark from the Cardiology Podcast, and I have an important question for you. Does your garage make you happy? If your life is anything like mine, the space in your garage just goes to waste because of overwhelming and embarrassing clutter. I mean, with all the tools, the toys, the bikes, the equipment, and whenever you open that garage door, that mess just hits you right in the gut. But it doesn't have to be that way. The team at CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More wants to help you take advantage of every inch of space your garage has to offer with their full turnkey design and installation services for garage cabinets, flooring, and other storage solutions. But don't be confused. The solutions they provide are not the cookie cutter racks and plastic bins you find at all the big box stores. From showroom quality garage flooring to durable powder-coated wood garage cabinets, CB's Custom Garage Interiors and More has everything you need to turn your garage into the organized space of your dreams and have every one of your neighbors green with envy. So if you're tired of the mess and ready to bring the garage of your dreams into your everyday reality, you owe it to yourself and your family to check out all of the fantastic solutions CB's has to offer. You can contact Chris Burdett and his team today by heading to their website at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com or you can give them a call at 330-542-8416. On the site, you can request a free garage makeover guide packed with all kinds of great ideas and solutions that'll spark your imagination and help you visualize all of the potential your garage has to offer. It's time to feel the joy of a garage that meets all of your functional needs and looks fantastic too. Please let Chris help you make your dreams a reality today. Call him at 330-542-8416 or check him out online at www.cbscustomgarageinteriors.com and let Chris help you love your garage again. Welcome back to Cardiology. Well, now it's time to move on to week six. Um, We have a big matchup here with the New England Patriots coming to visit Cleveland for another home game at the beginning of this early season. Um, We're seeing a team in New England that has tried to cobble together some competitive games with, you know, one hand and one foot tied behind their backs. Right. Um, They are dealing with a lot of quarterback injuries. They've lost their starter. They've lost their primary backup. They are down to 
one of their rookie draft picks um, who actually um, put together a pretty solid game last week um, yeah. and really did pretty well. So um, I think the big piece that we're going to be seeing also from New England is a willingness to run the ball um, traditionally. Um, you know, they have been able to get a lot of production out of Stevenson in their mm -hmm. backfield. Um, he is a pretty uh, bruising prototypical running back. Um, and I think we're going to have to be watching out for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we're also, you know, this is not at the same token, this is not the New England Patriots of old. And it hasn't been the New England Patriots of old since Tom Brady left. Right. They are still trying to go through and work through this process. They're trying to figure out how um, they're going to rebuild, where they're going to get their quarterback from, where, where they are going to focus and, and become um, yeah. really that team. Now, they do have some interesting young stars coming through on the defense yeah. um, for them right now, which is helping keep them competitive. So we will have to look and see how that plays out um, when they actually come into Cleveland. Yeah. Um, you pretty much hit the nail right on the head. It's just, you, we, we're going to have to stop the run. Now, Damian Harris, like I said before, is probably out with a hamstring. So they're going to, they're going to lean on Stevenson. Um, you know, Bill Belichick has always been, you know, a running back by committee kind of coach. Um, so, it's just we're going to have to look for that and we're going to have to stop it. Um, I will say Billy did put together a good game against the Lions, the absolute worst defense in the league. That's so true. That's true. He's going to have a little bit of a step up. I think Miles is going to get back on track and he's going to get another gravestone for his cemetery at his house. Well, um, yeah, I think I th you you make the point that the the – Detroit is is pretty much the worst defense, but we're half the worst defense, right? I'm now. not. I'm. I didn't. So, I, I so, so, the, so the reality I is, I, step up. I, I, I'm a little concerned about Bill Belichick's ability, and he's always had this ability, no matter who he's got on his team, to game plan against your strength and take your strength away. Um, now, I have a little bit more confidence in our running game um, that we can run the ball against anybody. Um, so I think this will be that big test because there's no way that Bill Pelichek is coming in here and, and keying on stopping anybody other than Nick Chubb. That, yeah. can, that can only be what he's focused on. And he's telling his team, we got to let make Jacoby Brissett beat us. And Jacoby Brissett has shown he's got three interceptions this year. Mm -hmm. Two that I think that we can say they were desperation throws. He was doing everything he could to get us back, and right. they were just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but he pulled a major brain cramp this past week no. on a play that he could have just tucked it away and ran and gotten what he wanted and instead threw it into coverage. Um, Bill Belichick's going to look at that and say, okay, we're going to make this guy – throw the ball and beat us. Yeah. Um, now, do does New England have the horses to actually stop our offensive line and stop Nick Chubb and stop Kareem Hunt? I I would tend to bet on our side yeah. um, with that one. 
Um, but I also think it's going to be a tough hundred yard game out of Nick Chubb. This is yeah. not going to be quite the same as the last few weeks. So that's going to be a big piece to look for. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, Denzel Ward is in concussion protocol from last week. So we're not, we, we run the risk of potentially him not being out there. Uh, right. and he, the warden had some good plays last week. Um, Greedy Williams might be returning off IR. Mm-hmm. So it, it would be nice to have him back for his first game. Um, so, and, and I haven't seen anything. Do you know what's going on with Chase Winovich? No. Um, most of the feedback is that this is a, a, it was a very serious hamstring injury and it is lingering. Okay. And he is just not um, healing up the way that they wanted or the way they expected. So uh, I'll be interested to see. I mean, we've gone past his first four games of IR. Right. Um, So he's eligible to be brought back whenever. Um, The question is going to be how much longer is it going to be till it just be, it's just permanent for the year. So um, I'm, I'm not sure. I just like you, I haven't heard much um, in, in that regard. Um, I couldn't no. find anything, but you're, you're, you're a, bit, a better digger than I am. So, well, and well, what I would put, go back to what you said is your comment about Denzel Ward. Now, I think this is going to be an, a, a week if Denzel Ward does not come out of the protocol and he's not going to play. Um, this is going to be a week for all those people who have been Denzel Ward haters at the beginning of the season. Um, you would get, I would think you would get a healthy dose of Martin Emerson in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Martin Emerson has flashed some great skills. Yes, he, I, he makes, he, I think he's going to be a great addition to the team, um, but he's also a rookie and he's also mm-hmm. made some rookie mistakes along the way. Um, so I think you need to be prepared for that. Again, um, Belichick, it's not going to be lost on Belichick if you put a rookie cornerback out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can expect that they'll be testing him going his way. Um, I think, I think Emerson's got a lot um, and he can show a lot. The question will just be um, how well, um, whatever the new defensive scheme is or whatever the strategy is going to be, how well he fits into that and how well he stays up with that. Um, You know, I think the other key to the game is, you know, and we've said this every week now for the last three weeks, and I I would just want to reinforce it, that until New England proves you wrong, you must be the Browns. You cannot go into this game and immediately say, they're not going to let us run the ball, so we're going to pass. Right. Don't do it. Yeah, you did that last year. Yeah. Have... I don't know, have a crappy first quarter, hand the ball off the whole first quarter, find out whether you're not going to get through or not. Let them prove it to you before you take your weapons off the field. Right. And, and I think, you know, like I said, I, I have a feeling that, you know, we can look for our running game to continue to keep us in this game. Um, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta make them prove it. You can't, you can't just give it away. Right. Um, so I want to see that. Obviously, you know, we we talked all about the defense. We got to see something different. Got to see some change. 
got to see something happen in stopping the run. Um, and, you know, I think this, I think this is an absolute must win. Oh, it is. For, um, this is, this is a win for morale. This is a win for jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is a, this is a win. This, this would set the tone for the rest of these games leading up to the arrival of Deshaun Watson. Right. Um, you need to get back to 500 and then you need to start getting on the positive side of that equation. Because who's next week? Jeez. Baltimore. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, we're going to, we're going to see Baltimore. I, I, you know, Baltimore, not to look too far down the road, they haven't seemed to be exactly the Baltimore that, that we expect. Um, right. One of the challenges is that, um, Lamar Jackson's never out of the equation. He had a rough night this past week against Cincinnati. There were a lot of throws that he made that could have been home run balls that he just didn't quite get. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's always a threat and Baltimore's always a threat. And the way things are shaping up, just like we talked about Cincinnati's early losses in the division, you need these early wins in the division. Yeah. So you want to go in if you if Baltimore is even a little bit on the ropes, you want to have some momentum, you want to have some um, some confidence going into that game. So yeah, that's 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 a big piece as well. All right, well I think we've kind of gone through. We've kind of given a good uh, teaser for our upcoming game. Um, we are going to take this opportunity as we do every week to reach out to our man in the field. Um, the guy with the picks, the knowledge, um, we are going to reach out to Gary Marr, who is once again out on the road and calling in for us. Hey, Gary, it's time for us to do these picks. Tell me, what's the good word? Well, the good word's uh, football, I guess. Uh, we've got a, got a lot of games on the docket this week and uh, got a big one with New England. So, uh, so looking forward to them all. Yeah, it looks like a really cool slate. So why don't you go ahead and get us started here? Sure. Uh, First one we're looking at is Baltimore at the Giants. And Baltimore at minus five and a half points in this one. So they're kind of the heavy favorite. Uh, So, you know, if I'm looking at this game, the Giants have been on quite the winning streak. Uh, Of course, they've got the big challenge in front of them trying to figure out how to stop Lamar. Um, and, you know, see if they can keep it together against a really tough Ravens team. They've been playing pretty tough. Plus, their defensive coordinator is going to be fired up. He's playing against his former team. So, I don't know, if I'm looking at this game, I I think it's a tougher one. I'm going to actually take the points, though, and go with the Giants. I don't think they win, but I think they keep it within five and a half. Okay, I I kind of agree with you. Um, I like how the Giants have been looking, um, especially with their run game. while Baltimore, um, I still think the true Baltimore is hidden. I don't know that we've really seen them play their best game yet. Um, that said, I I just I, I had to have a feeling on this one with the Giants that this might be another close game. And yeah, I'd like to have those points too. So I'll take the Giants as well. Awesome. And the coin will go against us. It's going to go with Baltimore. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll get gain some ground. Okay. Uh, what do we got for number two? Number two, we got Cincinnati at New Orleans. Cincinnati, you know, they've got their uh, they're pretty solid defense. 
And so they're going to go going be going up against New Orleans, who's got a pretty banged up offense. So I think those two combos are going to factor in pretty heavy here, along with the fact that uh, uh, Saints have a lot of trouble stopping the run game. And Cincinnati's got a pretty darn good run game right now. So if I look at all those things together, obviously, I'm going to go with Cincinnati. They're minus only one point. And so, you know, that's pretty much a, a toss up as far as that goes. So I'm, I'm going Cincy. Okay, I'm going to agree with you again, too, because I, while I do think New Orleans showed a little bit of life this past week with the return of Alvin Kamara, um, I just, like you said, there's a lot of things banged up. How, you know, is Taysom Hill really going to put up those same types of numbers again um, against Cincinnati? I'm, I'm not feeling it. I feel like it's time for Cincinnati to put up a good one. So, and especially when it's that close, a, a virtual pick them, I'm going to take Cincinnati as well. All right. And let's see here. The coin uh, again goes against us. It's going with New Orleans. Oh, we're going to make up ground. I can feel it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go to game number three. Game number three is Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, but I think you got Tom Brady coming in with a with a chip on his shoulder. There, Tampa Bay is though minus eight points in this this one though, so a lot of points there. Uh, but you do you've got Tampa Bay coming in. They've been on a pretty pretty good offensive streak. They back to back three hundred yard games. Um, Pittsburgh again is starting a, a rookie quarterback who had its own three hundred yard game last week. But uh, again, that was kind of in garbage time. A lot of that playing on trying to play uh, catch up things along those lines. So. Um, I just look at this game and it, it's a, it's a tough one, but I keep looking at those eight points and I think it burned me last week, but I'm going to, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to take the eight points of Pittsburgh and say that they're going to lose, but not by eight points. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to diverge here because I too followed last week. I, I gave away the point in the Pittsburgh game and I was rewarded for it. So um, I kind of feel the same way about this game now. So um, going in, Pittsburgh just looks like they're collapsing. Um, you know, not only are we starting a rookie quarterback, um, but that defense isn't stopping anybody. And so I think until they can prove it, uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to say that I think Tampa Bay is uh, able to put up more than eight points spread on, on them. So I'm going to give away the points and take Tampa Bay. And you might be right. Uh, I just think you know, Pittsburgh's got a good, good head quarterback, uh, head quarterback, good coach there. And I think that Pickett you know, is going to figure it out here sooner or later. So we'll see. We'll see there. And the coin agrees with you. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that all comes out. Okay. So uh, what else do we got here? Uh, we're going to go and look at the Sunday night game, which is the Cowboys at the Eagles. You know, the a Eagles great matchup. Been, yeah. The Eagles been on fire. Uh, they're giving up five and a half points in this uh, matchup here. So, you know, taking a look at that, uh, Dallas has a couple of questions coming in. Uh, who's going to play QB? Because, um, you know, we've got coming back off uh, IR there. They're starting QB and they, their replacement QB hasn't lost yet. So that's, uh, you know, that's a tough call there, but they'll have to figure that one out. Uh, they're also both defensive heavy teams. Dallas has 20 sacks going into this game. Philadelphia has 17 sacks going into this game. I think that that factors in somehow, just not quite sure where. Uh, but when I look at this and I look at the, the points and everything, I'm gonna I'm gonna go against my gut. I'm gonna go with the Cowboys and and take the points. And the the I don't think we said the point spread was five and a half. So the, the Eagles are giving up five and a half points. 
Eagles are giving up five and a half points. Um, okay. So um, this one I think is super tough to pick. Um, you know, how, how much do you believe in kind of the, um, the power of Philadelphia right now? Um, and like you said, Dallas, who has been playing some really good defense um, going through. Um, I'm going to go with my gut instinct here. My gut instinct is that Dak Prescott does not play this game. I, I think um, that they're going to give him another week to rest. Um, and so with the, the other quarterback, um, and even though he's done a great job for them, um, I think that that Philly defense you're talking about, it really steps up. So I'm going to go ahead and give away those five and a half points. I would probably say as the, as the week goes on, that's going to be one that we'll have to see if the spread changes as it goes through once, once we find out what's happening with Dak. But um, I think at this point, I take the Philly D. Yeah, and I think you're right. It could definitely change depending on what goes on with Dak. But I also agree with you. I, I don't think Dak plays. I think you, uh, you know, you, you use the excuse of giving him one more week to heal to, to keep the hot hand in there. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens and how that works out for them all. Uh, the coin, by the way, is going to agree with me, though. It's going with the Cowboys. So. Okay, so some interesting variation there. All right, so we're la- left with this next pick which is probably tough for all of us to pick this week but what what do you see with new england visiting the browns this week well yeah i mean well first off the the browns are favored they're giving up three points uh and that's mainly i think because because we're home um so it's kind of a toss-up except that little home field advantage they could usually give you a couple points for and you know new england always plays this tough and you know belichick no matter no matter how bad his teams are always figures out a way to show up uh you know, New England's got the same question at quarterback, though, because of injuries. So not quite sure who's going to be playing quarterback for New England coming in this week. New England also does not have a good run defense right now. And that kind of plays into our strengths. Obviously, we've got that, that two-headed rushing attack. And so I think I think we got a big advantage there. Uh, but I will also say well, we don't have much of a run defense at the moment yet either. <laughs> right. So New England, yeah. <laughs> So New England might be a little run on us. That that all said, I do think that uh, that's going to be a bigger advantage for us. And so I'm going to go with Cleveland uh, minus the three. Okay. Um, so this one's been really hard for me because I'm still feeling the backlash of last week. Um, yeah. And so um, everything in my body is screaming to me that I should take New England in this game, but I'm just not ready to pull the trigger on that. So I am going to make this pick as a homer and with optimism, and I'm going to take Cleveland as well. I do think it's challenged because we're looking at some of the things on paper that we were worried about um, and happy about facing San Diego, the run defense, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, we were better uh, stopping Herbert than I thought we would be. Um, And so that bodes well for um, whichever backup quarterback does play for New England. Um, I don't know. I I just I'm gonna keep hope alive on this one and go with Cleveland. Um, but I I'm just gonna be honest. Every every other instinct in my body is saying Cleveland hasn't proved anything on the spread, and that New England might might pull this one out. But but yeah, I'm gonna be good. Fair shown a lot of weaknesses and Belichick always seems to have a way to exploit that. Uh, so, so it does make me nervous as well. 
That said, this is the only unanimous game this week because the coin agrees with both of us. So all of us, uh, you, me, and the coin, are all going with food. All right. Well, maybe we get um, maybe we get some love off of that. It'll be it, it'll be tough to see. We'll have to see um, how this all plays out as we go through. So um, so we'll look at the big scoreboard. Um, a little bit of movement here. Um, the coin. Um, led everybody last week, went three and one in our four picks and came up to 12 and 15 so far on the season. Um, tying one Gary Marr, who went two for two, um, or two, uh, two and two, I should say, um, on last week. Um, and then I am still following far behind, but I did have a respectable week. I too went two and two. So um, I am sitting at eight and 19. So I still got quite a bit of ground to cover. Um, you and the coin gave me some openings this week. We'll see if I can take advantage of them. Um, but well, thank you again, Gary, for coming in and doing picks. I know that you're um, out traveling the globe um, doing, doing work. So um, we appreciate you giving a call in and going through the picks with us. And hopefully we'll be talking about not only some good picks, but also a really good pick in our Cleveland game. So we'll see about that next week. Thanks a lot, Gary. Take it easy, man. Hey, thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Excellent. Another well-thought-out segment. Um, hopefully we continue to improve um, as we do these picks because uh, we, we did a little bit better last week. So hopefully um, we continue to that trend. But again, uh, fair disclaimer. If you're not listening to that segment for its entertainment value and instead are using it as advice to make gambling choices, please stop. Don't do that anymore. I don't gamble. I don't gamble on football games and I sure as heck don't gamble on my picks. So don't, don't do it yourself. Um, all right. Well, you heard us talk about it a little bit there at the end of that segment, but um, it's time. It's time for us to give our predictions about what we are going to see in the New England um, Cleveland game. And as is customary on this show, I allow the guest host to go first. So, Sean, why don't you lay it on me? What are you thinking? Oh, I'm thinking 17-10 Browns. 17-10 Browns. So you're looking, you're looking for a very tight game then. You're looking yes. for... Our offense not necessarily to shine to the level that we've been seeing, but still keep us going. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say 17-10 Browns. I'm hoping I'm wrong, and we'll just – we'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm hoping the curse is lifted. <laughs> okay. I – you know, I'm having a hard time with this one um, because, like I said in the last segment, every fiber of my being is screaming out to me saying that we haven't shown it. And this is going to be a huge test for us. Um, I think this game is going to be super close. Um, I am probably going to go, I, I'm going to say 24 17. Um, okay. I am going to um, kind of hang my hat on the number of points that we left on the table this last week. I mean, uh, 13 points added to that score. All of a sudden, we are talking about an offense that's scoring upwards of 40 points. 
Um, right. So um, if you factor in um, the Bill Belichick equation and them kind of holding us down a little bit, um, I think that's possible. But I, I fair, fair warning, um, as I said in the pick segment, um, you know, I'm, the pessimism starting to creep in a little bit. Um, so I'm hopeful that this is the game that we kind of pull some stuff together and start to get us over the hump. Um, but I am very wary of what Brown's, what Brown's universe is going to look like if this doesn't go our way. It will not be a factory of sadness this weekend. I, oh gosh, I certainly, I certainly hope so. Um, with that, I just want to give my thanks again, as I always do, to all of the people behind the scenes who kind of help us um, get this going. Um, thank our sponsor, uh, CB's Custom Garages and more. Um, and for their support, continued support, our, our wives, our girlfriends um, who, keep, uh, who put up with us actually talking about the Browns all the time. Um, and then also to all of you who are listening out there, um, we appreciate all your support. You can continue to hear us on Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Um, we are available on all those players, and we are also available if you uh, want to use the player embedded on our website. We, you can get all of our episodes on www.cardiology, that's with a K, cardiology, clee, C-L-E, dot com. Um, and so for everyone out there, let's, let's get beyond the same pessimism that I'm kind of feeling. Let's get ready for another home game. Let's see if our guys can pull this through and be completely behind our Browns going forward. So rather than our, our customary go Browns, how about, how about a little barking? You want to get a, get a little dog barking going, Sean? Okay, let's do this. All right, let's go. One, two, three. Let's go, Browns. We love you guys. Talk to you soon.